0: This is Wildcat Country.
1: It's only right the ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon says championship.
0: All the inside scoop on U of A Athletics. It's up for grabs. And Arizona scores a touchdown. Wildcats win. Let's to work from
2: Welcome to this week's edition of Wildcat Country. Eric Cohen and Shane Dale with you here. It's a big week with uh, now the Big Ten has announced that they are going to play football this fall. Will the Pac-12 follow suit? We're going to talk about that tonight with uh, a special guest coming up here in the first segment. Later in the program, we are uh, very pleased to welcome a quarterback commit for 2022. I believe he's the first commit to Arizona's football team in 2022. That's Trayson Borgay will join us, and we're going to ask him, why did he give up the recruiting process before his junior year? That seems, uh, seems a bit premature, but we love that because he's a, a very loyal Wildcat. But let, let's start it off, guys. Uh, Shane, uh, before we bring in Jeff here, it's just been a, it's been a strange day. It's been a strange week. It's been a strange year. What's going on as far as what you know with the Pac-12 uh, following in the Big Ten's footsteps?
1: We are recording this just after 4 p.m., on Wednesday afternoon. And I want to mention that because things have changed by the hour today. So we're going off our latest information, which is of course the big 10 has decided to play football beginning October 23rd and 24th. And it sounds like the PAC 12 might follow suit. Uh, California's governor sounds like he's given permission uh, or paving the way now uh, to allow the football teams in California to, to work out, to practice, to prepare for games. Oregon sounds like it's on the verge of doing the same uh, pending a, an official plan from the Pac-12. So as of this morning, up to this morning, I was less than 50-50 on there being fall football for the Pac-12. Now I'm on the other side. I think it's more likely than not at this point.
2: Well, Shane, we're going to bring in our guest, uh, the voice of the Wildcats football and basketball teams, Jeff Dean. You can hear him at the uh, at Arizona Stadium and the McHale Center for every game day. And Jeff, right away, first of all, thank you for joining us, putting you on the spot. The next game you will call at Arizona Stadium will be when? Oh man.
0: Uh wow, wow. You know, I I didn't I didn't think that we would have football at Arizona Stadium in in our previous, you know, conversation that we had. I didn't think that we'd be playing until September of 2021, but it sounds like and is apparently very customary of the Pac-12 in its current state that they're going to just kind of follow the lead of other conferences and with the Big 10 looking like they're going to move forward to start football on October 23rd i think there's at least some promising uh, i guess optimism on the on the horizon that we could see some form of a football season starting up late october early november it's it's i think it's a distinct possibility now
2: so, Shane, we saw that, you know, we, we talked about this and I know you, you wrote up a, a column for Territorial Sports, your website, TerritorialSports.com. You know, we, we asked what were you asked what, what what's going to happen with in the in the Big Ten's footsteps with the Pac-12. And and I agree with both of what what you guys said that I didn't think anything was going to happen uh, anytime soon because, you know, the Pac-12 with the, the California and Oregon restrictions. But as you mentioned, things are changing by the day. I feel like this is going to be fast tracked, and by the time we do a podcast next week, Shane, we're gonna ha- we're gonna be planning football season. Would you agree with that at the moment?
1: I do. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and, and I think you know, like you said, since the the Pac-12 seems to follow the Big Ten's lead, uh, I, I imagine we're gonna see something very similar to what they proposed—an eight-game schedule uh, that begins. Uh, I don't know if they're gonna be able to begin quite as soon as the Big Ten. They might be a week. Well, behind, wait, wait,
2: wait, but... now, wait, let's let's talk about that for a second. Why not?
1: Why not? Right now, you,
2: you get practicing as of next week. That gives you four and a half to five weeks before the first game. Why can you not be ready in time?
1: I, the I feel like it takes a little more than that for the – like the California schools haven't even been able to – they haven't been able to practice. They haven't been able to do anything. Uh, so I think they're further behind than everyone else. And I think between that and having to, to identify uh, uniform testing procedures, which sounds very promising, I just think logistically the Pac-12 is a little bit behind the Big Ten. Maybe they'll be able to work it out by then. But my guess is they're going to probably start a week later, probably around Halloween, if it does happen.
0: And to say that they are logistically a little bit behind the Big Ten might be the understatement of the year. You know, the, Big <laughs> Ten, the Big Ten has been working on getting this season moving forward for several weeks now. And as we found out some new information today, the Pac-12 doesn't even have paperwork on how they would proceed with a season should they uh California and Oregon allow their schools to start playing football. So to say that they're a little logistically behind um you know really w- in the grand scheme of things they are eons behind the Big 10 as far as preparing for a football season. It's almost as if Larry Scott said, "Well, we said we wouldn't play anything until January 1st and that's what we're going to stick with. So I'm just going to go on vacation until then and do nothing." um which h- has really put this conference you know once again at the very bottom of the Power Five, was, as it comes to um, a, a lot of different things, but but certainly active forethought is uh, certainly right there at the top.
2: So, Jeff, looking into your crystal ball, what does the twenty twenty football season, assuming it happens for the Pac twelve, look like in terms of format?
0: You know, I, I think I think what will probably end up happening, and. Should the California schools be allowed to play? The Oregon schools be allowed to play? I, I think that we'll probably just see a, a, either an eight or a ten game season uh, that played many. out. That yeah. many? Yeah, I, th- I think they could. I think they really could. The problem is they would likely be missing out on any type of a postseason um, opportunity for the you know for a national championship. Should should one of the schools go eight and zero or ten and zero? By the time that happens. All the other conferences have already played their football. So, what's the
2: point of playing? What's the point? if you can't compete for a national title and you can't play the Big Ten in a Rose Bowl setting, what's the point of playing a season?
0: Well, I don't think the Rose Bowl would happen, anyways. I mean, I, I guess it possibly anything's possible. And, and, and again, you know, we're we're talking about this right now, and in an hour after we we record this, it, it things complete completely different. Yeah. Um, but I, I I think that I think the Pac-12, and it seems like. This is what they have always been kind of I guess focused on. They want to crown a Pac-12 champion. And they can still do that if they play an eight or a 10-game season.
3: Yeah,
2: but it just seems, you know, and that's why the, the spring football idea to me went out the window as soon as the Big Ten decided to come back. Because you, you can't playing against the Mac and playing against the Mountain West makes you look small time. And if you're gonna call yourself a Power Five conference, then anything that's not aligned with playing for the a, a the legitimate bowl games and playing for a potential national title or college football playoff opportunity seems small time,
0: right? Well, I think I, – I don't know if it seems small time. I, in, in this particular year, now that everything has, has changed so drastically, I think the focus has changed to – allowing these kids who may never get a chance to play football again or may decide never to play football again after this year, it's going to give them an opportunity to play some football this year and in what normally would have been just a regular kind of year for them. And I think we should all as fans kind of embrace more. It's almost like it's, it's the, the same kind of argument that people give that the fans give saying that there's too many bowl games and nobody cares about this bowl game. Well, you don't care about the bowl game, but, Those 85 kids who have been working all the way back since April preparing for this season, they all, every single one of them, care about that bowl game. And I really don't care whether or not you enjoy the bowl game or not. It's not for you. It's not about you. And the same thing applies to this year. People are upset because the Pac-12 was going to miss out on playing in a national championship game the realistic factors of that is, is that the PAC 12 probably wasn't going to compete for a national championship this year. Anyways, they have Oregon is good. It's
2: good. Yeah. Good.
0: Yeah. And they, they had uh, what 22 players transfer or opt out of the season. True. Yeah.
1: Uh, That brings me to to my, my next question. I'll, for both of you and I'll, I'll answer. I'll let you guys answer because we were not optimistic about Arizona football back when we thought there was going to be a regular Arizona football season. Now that we've seen, some guys opt out, and obviously the Schooler brothers transfer and 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 all that. How many wins do you think this these these guys get if we get an eight game season? What, one, two, maybe. I mean, I, I like to be more optimistic than that, but I just just looking on Twitter, I've seen like a lot of UV fans like, well, yeah, that's nice, but our roster's already been gutted, you know.
0: I, you know, certainly the loss of Fields and Young and the Schoolers that's obviously going to going to affect the team but you know a lot of other schools have had major departures as well we talked about Oregon they had a major you know set of departures UCLA had a ton of kids uh that have decided to opt out of the season and stuff so um you know i mean look the south division was going to be difficult this year we knew that there's a lot of talented teams and Arizona is Near the bottom of those uh, of those of that list, as far as the the most talent in this in this particular division, I don't think it changes anything. I mean, I think Arizona was going to try to get three wins in the non-con and then try to find some way to get three or four wins in the conference season and get to a bowl game this year. If you don't play the non-con and you play an eight-game season, you got a shot at two or three wins. And I think that's probably realistically what you're
2: looking at. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I want to say zero. Uh, I mean, I guess 0-8 is better than 0-0. and 0. I think we can all agree with that, that watching the Wildcats play and develop for eight games is probably better than not watching them play at all. Uh, it's, I know it's weird to say that.
1: I, you know, I made the same argument about, um, like, it, it, I, I tweeted earlier today. If the Pac-12 doesn't have a season, what if ASU and UVA were to get together just to play, you know, a a territorial cup, just to have something to look forward to? And a lot of of UVA fans were like, "Well, I don't just want to play one game just to get our butt kicked by 40 points." And I understand that that mentality, but well, first of all, that that game is always uh, unpredictable. Unpredictable, right? It's it's unpredictable. But but beyond that, there's just a lot of fans, you know, because I pointed out. the Territorial Cup was going to stay in Tempe for another year anyway if we don't have football. So what do you have to lose? But some fans said, well, I'd rather not play and not lose than get my butt kicked by 40 points. So I just – there's a lot of pessimism from Wildcat fans, just even if we do have a season. Uh, And I think that just goes back to to the Pac-12s and, you know, in decisions as far as, you know, we're going to have a 10 game season, then we're not going to have a season after all, and now we're coming back. And I feel bad for the student athletes as well who wanted to, you know, especially the, the schoolers who probably wanted to finish their senior years at, uh, at, together, playing together at Arizona and didn't have that opportunity.
2: Yeah, you got what, uh, Braden's at uh, Texas and Collins at Texas Tech, which is kind of cool. Right. They'll, they'll face each other next week. And, you know, Braden kind of ended up in pretty good, uh, uh pretty good position there because texas is going to be pretty darn good he already Um, scored touchdown last weekend yeah is that right yeah Uh, i didn't see that i didn't see that uh jeff dean the voice of the wildcats at arizona stadium and mikhail center joining us here on wildcat country and of course for you longtime listeners he was the original host of this program so i am very grateful to be sitting in in this position to be able to uh, help out on uh, on shane's and, and jeff's original podcast it's really an honor but uh, another thing for you, Jeff. When's the next time that you believe, assuming we have a fall football season of some kind at Arizona Stadium, do you believe that there will be some fans in attendance or not at all?
0: Again, you know that's that's you know going to be a month and a half, almost two months away, and you know Arizona's numbers continue to roller coaster a little bit, although the the peaks. Are lower than what they previously were, and the valleys are also lower than what they previously were. So you're seeing it's, uh, although you're seeing a down, da- you know, a decline, it's also still a bit of a roller coaster. And I think until we can get uh, rapid antigen pa- uh, testing for civilians, for you know, for every you know, for everybody, um, and until we really see those numbers, like the county numbers, go from moderate to safe, uh, I think that they'll probably exclude fans from
2: coming to the games. See, I, I, I'm really i'm hopeful I, I would probably agree with you at this point but i'm hopeful having not missed a home game and god knows how long i mean it's like i want i want a chance to go and i'll wear a mask just like everybody should wear a mask and as a season ticket holder i would hope that i could at least get two games in you know instead of if they were to have four games four home games i would hope to get at least two you know i can't imagine there's more than 25,000 season ticket holders you split it up you make us all kind of sit around the stadium i don't see why we can't make it work and and do that, but I agree that you know it depends in, depending on the spike, and we don't know what that's going to look like. It's it certainly gives us some optimism, and I think by the time that we are doing this podcast next week, as I said earlier, I think we will have Pac-12 football to talk about uh, this season. Shane, I have this one for you, and I saw this uh, article title by uh, Christine Brennan in USA Today today. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to ask you well, how yeah. you would react to this to this title. Okay, it says her, her uh, opinion. Big Ten's decision to play football signals darkest day in conferences sports history.
1: You know, I was wondering this afternoon why Jerry Sandusky was uh, trending on Twitter. And it's, it's a direct response to that comment. Um, That is, uh, you know, and and I don't want to say much more because it is, is it gets political. I understand. Yeah. Well, this virus has gotten sort of political and I really don't want to get into that too much, but yeah, that's an overstatement. I mean, I, I think, you know, we've, it's been proven that, you know, professional athletes, you know, in, in a certain environment, you know, they can play safely. And, you know, we've heard about some cases where there are very few of any hospitalizations. So again, it, you know, I hate saying those kinds of things because it sounds like you're taking it lightly. I'm not. Um, but I, I think it's absurd to say that, that it can't, that these games can't be played safely and, and without a, a, a strong plan to keep the players safe.
2: I think that's well said, Jeff. uh, Is it the Pac-12's darkest day if they follow in the Big Ten's um, footsteps to play football?
0: Not even close. Not even close. That was. It's one of the one of the trends of this. A pandemic that we've experienced is a lot of hyperbole uh, by uh, both sides, a lot of hyperbole from from people um, who go on to these social media sites or they write an article um, and think that this is the most extreme thing that has ever happened. Um, you know, let's not forget Larry Nassar was attacked in court by the father of. Of three daughters who were sexually molested by him while at Michigan State University, to call this the darkest day in the Big Ten's history is to completely have oversight of everything that's happened in the Big Ten's past. And I really found it quite a be to be quite a disgusting article by uh, by uh, by her and um, Christine Brennan. And uh, I read it uh, just about an hour ago, and I uh, thought it was absolutely disgusting, and especially. Coming from a woman's standpoint, you would think that you know the the assault of women, the sexual assault of women, would certainly hold a higher credence credence than uh, some schools getting together and saying, you know what, we're going to go ahead and play football, anyways.
2: It, it's really amazing, and and it's a, it's an attention grabber, that's for sure. She got she got the attention, but I don't think she expected to be trending on Twitter with that uh, column. All right, let's segue a little bit to a, a sport that I know a lot of you listening uh, care about. College basketball. Jeff, when are we going to see the Wildcats back on the floor playing games that matter?
0: Well, I just got a notification here, uh, and this does not come from anybody inside the program, but the NCAA did, in fact, approve a deal um, where the first games for college basketball will be scheduled for November 25th. Um, teams may not play any more than 27 games in during the season and hmm. must play a minimum of 13 games. Hmm to qualify for the post tournament. So once again, the ball is in Larry Scott's court. He is the one that's going to be the, the, the decision maker on whether or not we can start playing basketball on November 25th when probably 342 other schools are going to be playing college basketball.
1: If, if the Wildcats play, and, and I just my two cents, I do think that they will be playing before January 1st. I think if football happens before January 1st, I think basketball will as well. What does college basketball look like this year? Will there be any games at McHale? Are we looking at a bubble situation? Any insight on that and any thoughts, Jeff, on what should happen?
0: Well, I I think anytime there's going to be multiple teams involved, I think a bubble situation is going to be mandatory slash necessary. I think for any kind of preseason tournaments that they're going to have or any tournaments that they're going to hold where there's four teams or more uh, that are going to be playing against one of each other in 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 a tournament style, then a bubble is going to be necessary. As far as I'm concerned, though, you can find a way to put 6,000 people in the McHale Center and allow fans to come watch the games. Now, granted, that wouldn't even come close to the amount of season tickets that are sold every year. Yeah. But maybe by the time November 25th rolls around, we don't have to have such stringent um, you know, restrictions on the amount of the sizes of gatherings and how close people can be to one another.
1: Let me ask you since the last time we talked and you were on our first episode and we appreciate that. Uh, you mentioned uh, Brandon Williams was the guy you were oh. looking forward to the most uh, at Arizona and obviously uh, things changed. He decided he's going to pursue pro opportunities with him gone. Where does that leave Arizona heading into the season? I know there's a lot of unknowns about this roster, but how are you feeling about this group of Wildcats coming in?
0: Well, first of all, I'm very proud of Brandon um, for deciding to take that next step in his, in his career and in his life Um you know people don't understand if you've if you've been put in a situation where all you're trying to do is make yourself better and your body keeps letting you down and you realize that your chances of achieving your dreams are becoming lesser and lesser every time you step on a basketball court, you have to make decisions um, that affect your future. And by deciding to go pro, Brandon Williams decided to put his future first and not his present. Um, so I applaud him for that. And I'm I'm proud of Brandon for doing that. I am going to miss Brandon. Mm-hmm. I was really looking forward to having him uh, in Tucson this year. And again, it just kind of goes to show, you know, I mean, because of nothing going on on campus right now, I'm not down there in Tucson and I'm not with the team. And I never rely on basketball team information from anyone other than someone inside the team. I have plenty of people that I talk to inside the team, but we don't talk on the phone. I don't hit them up with text and go, hey, what's going on with Brandy Williams? What's going on with this? It always happens in a face to face conversation. We're always having very, you know, conversations that are intimate conversations, talking about things with one another. And it's very trusted between everybody, all parties involved. Okay. So when I'm not down there, you know, had had I been in tucson three or four days a week and with the basketball team i probably wouldn't have said i'm looking forward to brandon williams playing this year because somebody probably would have told me that brandon was looking to to turn pro and probably wouldn't be a member of the team anymore sure um and that's just kind of the, the nature of the way things are right now unfortunately yeah. but um but yeah so i do apologize if people are upset i know i some people are the, the
1: apology uh, necessary i just I'm... people
0: called me a jinx on twitter so i wanted to make sure <laughs> that uh, you know
1: Hey, uh, hey, Jeff, what is the
2: – I know this is a tough one because you also haven't been down there, but I'm going to throw this throw this one at you. You know, I, I'm not hesitant to ever ask the tough questions. If you were to project the the Wildcats starting five as of today, what's it look like? Oh, my gosh.
0: <laughs> Christian Coloco at center. Okay. <laughs> uh, Ira Lee at
2: power forward?
0: Ira, Ira at power forward. James Akinjo at point. Um, Jamal Baker? Yeah, Jamal will probably play the two. And then, um, gosh, you got a choice of threes.
2: probably one of the the newcomers, wouldn't you think? Yeah, right. it's, it's got to
0: be. Yeah, it would have to be one of the one of the new guys. One of the uh, one of the new Euro players, he, or he, or maybe Jordan Brown. Oh
2: yeah, that's, well Jordan Brown could play the four. I wonder if I he's yeah. really the sixth man.
0: Maybe. But it, it, you, I, I, I was great of, coming off the bench,
2: anyways, because he, he brings he, such
0: great energy. He does
2: bring that energy, yeah, and that's that's probably why I think Sean might stick to that. Yeah. I'm just curious about the European guys. How fast they're going to play? Are we going to see them, you know, get make an immediate impact? I would assume Kirk Krzyzew for one is going to play heavy minutes. Yeah. But I, about some of the other guys whose names I can't even—I'm not even used to yet. You know, it's not basketball season, so I haven't—I haven't studied my roster yet. But I feel like you know, maybe the French guy, if I, Daniel—I can't remember his last name. I think he's probably going to get some
0: time. Daniel
1: Bacho. Bacho,
2: there you go. Yeah. Yep. So. I, I,
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, as as with any incoming freshman, Sean treats them all the same way. They have to a work their butt off and b earn his trust. Um and any players who do that are going to get playing time. I think that Kirk Creesa is kind of one of those guys and I I'm hoping that he's not all talk because he talks a really good game. The kid acts like a bulldog, but I've also seen some videos of him where he backs it up. He is a a fierce competitor which tells me that he brings his hard hat and his lunch pail to, uh, you know, to the basketball court every single day. And Sean's going to really enjoy that. And Sean, as long as Kirk stays trustworthy, Sean will reward him with PT.
1: My bold prediction, because Eric loves his bold predictions. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Kirk, yes, Kirk Creason will be the best Arizona Wildcats men's basketball player next season. I think he's really be, next I season. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, and feel free Whoa. to come back and play this for me. When Whoa, better, um,
0: better than better than Coloco and Jamal Baker and, and Jordan the Brown Humber, James Akinjo. I think
1: he'll be the most complete guy. In the- I don't know if he's going to be the leading scorer, but I think he's going to be the biggest contributor next yeah. season. Yeah.
2: So will, yeah, will feel will free to come
1: back and play this when uh, when I'm you know when I'm wrong. But you know, will Kurt
2: Priest be all Pac-12 at any point in his career?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, it depends on how long he stays.
2: Assuming he, let's say he stays three years. Do you see yes. do you see Kirk being all pac twelve at some point? Yes, yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Let,
1: Jeff, let me ask you because we're gonna have uh KJ Simpson on uh in the near future. Oh, right on, okay. Uh, so he uh you know, he's their only Arizona's only twenty twenty one commit as of now. Uh, a couple other guys are hoping to land have uh, gone elsewhere. Um but we're gonna talk to KJ. What what have you seen from him just on you know on highlight reels or anything else? What do you think the Wildcats are getting in, in KJ?
0: Well, you know, I, I did watch some videos and things like that. I looked him up um, once he committed and everything, obviously. And I was really glad to see that we kept him away from uh, several other Pac-12 schools. There were uh, let's see UC, USC, ASU, um, Colorado. All three of those were at least all three of those were recruiting him, maybe more. Um, <clears throat> KJ is a uh, KJ. A, he's a combo guard. He's a, he's a one-two. He's you know a kind of a smallish guy he's about six one six two. he's got pretty good length which allows him to defend both positions which is good Sean likes that um, because he can you know that allows him to stay on the court a little bit longer and especially if he if he has the willingness to play the defense uh, which I've heard he does you know he's not he, he's not a polished jump shooter and that's fine um, but what he is is a tremendous athlete. Um, he is lightning quick. He can jump out of the gym, and I think the fans are going to enjoy watching his athleticism. He's a guy kind of like a smaller version of Josh Green. Likes to get in the passing lanes, use his quickness and his length to deflect passes, get out in the open lane, uh, and beat people with his speed down the floor uh, and get easy dunks and layups and things like that. He's he's an exciting player. Um, he's a slasher, a little bit on the offensive end, but really, really good athlete, and uh, and Sean likes that, so you um, can always work on his jump shot and fundamentals of the game and stuff like that. But you can't teach athleticism.
2: That's exactly right. I was just going to say the same thing. You took the words right out of my mouth. And, and before we let you go, and, and thank you, as always, for joining us, Jeff. Uh, Lute Olson passed away uh, the other week at the age of 85. And I know that you had many, uh, I'm sure, over the years, moments and, and experiences with Lute. Can you share one that, that stands to mind of, of your favorite Lute story?
0: You know, I, I, I it's one of those things. That I never... Never really got around, around loot a, a whole lot, unfortunately. Um, you know, we were in the same places a few times. Um, I've spoken to him a few times, but uh, you know, never really had a conversation where I, I could get any kind of stories um, to share. Unfortunately, um, I, I've I've heard a thousand stories about him from other people, uh, guys like Brian Jeffries who has a ton of stories. Um, obviously, Sean Miller who has stories about loot and friends of mine who played uh, for Lute Olsen at one point in time or another. Um, all I know is that he was, he, he had a, he had a, a zest for life. He loved his kids. He loved his family. And uh, he loved to go shopping for wine while on the road. Um, <laughs> he, uh, you know, he enjoyed that. So his Northern California trips were always embraced because uh, he was able to get off to wine country a little bit and, uh, and find something there. But um He he is already dearly dearly missed, and uh, I wish the family all the best. Of of course, moving moving forward. So,
1: you know, Anthony DiMino was kind enough to join us and told us about uh, when uh, when he and Steve Rivera had to went over to his house and they're going to bring Luton a bottle of wine. And we're like, what do you get this guy? Like, what do you get the guy who has everything? So, yeah, yeah, that's perfect.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you you wouldn't. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you you bring something, he'd be like, he would be gracious and he would say thank you. But he's like, I got seven hundred other bottles
1: over here. Right, right. I want to ask you guys one more question back to football, because I've been thinking about this because, you know, as you know, I'm, I'm sort of obsessed with the Territorial Cup. Yes, you are. You've written two books about it, in fact. I, I Thank you for, the, for that again, And And what, what you know. is your
2: newest book coming out, by the way?
1: Well, well, that actually leads me to my next question, because I'd okay. like to have it out by the, this year's Territorial Cup game, assuming there is one. So okay. my question is, because I'm not sure how I feel about this, so I want to ask you guys. If there's a, a Pac-12 season, when should the territorial cup game should should it be mm. the first week the first week of the season like it was originally going to be should it or not originally but you know the second the revised schedule the ten game schedule that got scrapped should it be the weekend after Thanksgiving like it was originally going to be or should it be the last game of the season which would probably be in in late December what do you guys think Jeff I prefer
0: you here yeah, yeah yeah Friday November 27th is when it should be played period.
1: Okay. Oh you thanksgiving traditionalist, huh?
0: yep, yep
1: I'm You're gonna, gonna say, the original original game was actually on the the day of Thanksgiving. It was so on I,
2: Thanksgiving,
0: yes, yeah. but yeah. I know
1: that more recently the day after has become more traditional right. yeah
2: one of my favorite u of a games, and I'll never forget it was December sixth, two thousand and eight when the wildcats broke that uh they broke through to get you know get to a bowl game and 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 beat it I think it was thirty one ten Shane, you correct me if my score is wrong at Arizona Stadium. Yeah. Uh, and it was in December and it was, you know, when before the Pac 12 championship game, as far as I'm concerned, it should be the week before the Pac 12 championship game, which in a perfect world would be Saturday, December 12th. That's what I would say. Uh, when, and I understand those like Jeff who want it on Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving weekend, but I don't like it when there are games afterwards, when there are regular season games afterwards.
1: We might have to do a Twitter poll on this because I honestly I, don't. I don't know what I think yet. I mean, I know we're kind of getting ahead our of ourselves because we don't even have a Pac-12 schedule yet. We're not assured of one. Uh, but I, I've been thinking about that since in the last couple hours when it looks more likely now. I've kind of given that there's going to be a season. I've kind of given myself permission to to dream about these things. So I'm interested to see what you other know, people think.
0: Fellas, when 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 you say when you ask someone to describe, when you ask a college football fan to describe why they love college football, one of the three words that they will always use is tradition.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Always. You, any any college football fan will always they'll say, Oh, the pageantry and the passion and the tradition mm-hmm. play on Friday, November twenty-seventh. Right. I guess okay. I can't
1: argue with that. I that think was Jeff a good told speech, me Jeff that was a good speech. I like that. I might. Have Jeff that.
2: is, yeah, he sold me too. Shane Jeff Dean, voice of the Wildcats at Arizona Stadium and Mikael Center. Thank you so much as always for joining us, and look forward to having you on the podcast again soon. Coming up next is twenty twenty two. Commit Trayson Bourget joining us here on Wildcat Country. Excited for this next guest, the first recruit of the 2022 uh, football recruiting class, Trayson Borgay from South Point Catholic High School in Tucson. He's a local kid. He's staying home, playing for the Wildcats. But What's amazing is he committed before his junior season, which you don't see all that often. Trayson, welcome to Wildcat Country. Eric and Shane here. Uh, want to ask you right away, You you kind of... You know, you ended the whole suspense before you're even playing, you know, as an upperclassman. Why did you decide to be an Arizona Wildcat so soon in in your
3: recruitment? So, you know, family played a big role in this. Um, Obviously, I have a huge family and uh, we're all uh, basically in Tucson. Um, I grew up going to every single home game since I was like since I was born. So I never missed a tailgate. I never missed a home game. Uh, growing up, I always thought, thought I was going to be a wildcat, and then come this recruiting process, other schools were reaching out to me, and I took visits to some of those schools, some places like Notre Dame and Texas and UCLA, and I even took a visit to ASU. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, could, I was asking myself, could I see myself living there for potentially four years? And really, the answer was no, because I, I can't really see myself being away from my family and friends that long. Um and I feel like I have all I need here in Tucson as, uh, as based off like football and academics and the support system and the fans. I, I, I think they're going to love me. I, I know they're going to love me. Um, so, you know, I'm excited to, to bring a, a good recruiting class. Um, I know we got me. We have uh, Keon Grays at Chandler um, already coming in. And we're just looking to build that recruiting class and possibly be the best recruiting class in Arizona history.
1: So, Trace, and obviously you know that the, the Kevin Sumlin era in Tucson hasn't gotten off to the kind of start that I'm sure he wants or that Wildcat fans want. Uh, we asked uh, Stevie Rocker, who we had on a couple weeks ago, this question. I'll ask you the same question. What about this program and what Kevin Sumlin and the coaching staff is doing makes you believe that they can turn a corner and you can be a part of that?
3: Well, obviously Coach Sumlin has been in a winning program and he's coached in a winning system, and he knows how to win. Um, these past couple years, they don't really they don't really affect me on what he's been doing because he's been producing with kids who he never who he hasn't brought in. So he's just working with what he's got right now. And I know Coach Solomon. I know Coach Mazzoni and the whole staff. They believe in me and I believe in them. And I'm just looking to come in right away and possibly make a big impact. And hopefully I can uh, um, start or get some uh, playing time uh, early into my uh, career at Arizona. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited.
1: So tell Wildcat fans what they should know about Trace and When he first takes the field in a Wildcat uniform, what should they expect from you? What kind of competitor are you?
3: Um, well, just to keep it simple, uh, I like football so much that I played in a 7-on-7 tournament in Texas with two broken feet. What? Two broken feet? Yeah. So, you know, in 7-on-7 as a quarterback, you don't do a lot of moving around. I mean, really, you just take the ball off the tee, you, get, you do your drop. And uh, you throw the ball. So, really, I was just taking it off. I was, like, wobbling um, and just using my upper body. Um, but luckily, uh, I have a lot of upper body strength, so I was getting the ball off pretty good. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, eighth grade. Um, I had two boots on. And so, even Stevie, they calls, he calls me boots sometimes just because that's kind of my thing, playing in boots. So, so, so it's, every –
1: Every, I'm sorry, Eric. Everyone knew that that you were you had two broken feet. You had broken bones in each feet, and they let you play. So in yeah, it? I
3: broke the same bone in both feet at the a week apart. Um, and so I was I was like on week week five of my healing process, and it's like a like a six to eight week healing process. So I was in two walking boots, um, and I was still able to compete. Trayson Bourget is a gamer. He is way tougher than,
2: than me, at least. I don't know about you, Shane, but playing on two yeah. broken. I mean, I couldn't even stand up and this guy's throwing, uh, passes at a, at a football camp. I, I'm speechless at this point. I'm, I'm impressed, Trayson. That's awesome. So what kind of quarterback are you on the field? Like, are you, are you a, a runner? I mean, I know it says pro style quarterback, but what's your, what's your ideal offense to play in at the next level?
3: Well, I haven't really been able to showcase my, my full talents yet on the varsity level um, because I've only played so many snaps. Um, Cause when I was at Miranda, I only played um, I only played, I think two varsity games. And then at South point I played only half the season. Uh, so I think this year I'll be a- really be able to showcase my, uh, my uh, footwork and my speed um, and be able to just go make plays. Uh, Cause really that's what I'm, that's what I'm here to do. Um, just get the ball to my receivers. And if they're not open, I can take it in my own hands and, Get some yards. So yeah, I'm really excited to showcase my talents.
2: Talk about the pressure last year. You transferred from Murano, where your where your brother played. Your brother Trenton played, who's now at ASU. And uh, so you're able to start by midseason. You're you're a sophomore, and you're playing with a five star running back in Bijan Robinson, who now is at Texas. And and you guys make it all the way to the semifinals of the highest division, the open division, um, in 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 playoff football, and unfortunately lost to Chandler High. But I mean that is huge pressure right off the bat. Talk about you know what's going through your mind like wow you you were transformed from not able to play the first half of the year to playing in the biggest high school games that you can
3: basically possibly get here. So growing up, I played I played flag football. I didn't play tackle football. Um, I played flag football alongside with Bijan and Lathan and my brother Coben and Trenton. Um, so we traveled all across the country playing against the top dudes. So. Playing against a team like Chandler, like that's a that's a big step, but it's nothing I haven't done before. So you know, I really I was just prepared. Um, and those games uh, going leading up to that Chandler game, that even helped me more. Like playing against Pinnacle uh, at home, that was a huge game. The environment was was amazing. Um, but really, like I come with that with that underdog mentality, and I'm just there to win. Uh, it doesn't really matter who I'm playing against or who I'm playing with. I just know my abilities, and I'm gonna do my best to to get the dub
1: tracing the the wildcat football program and not just Kevin someone uh, has struggled at times to keep some of the state's top talent in in Arizona specifically in Tucson. Uh, do you see yourself uh, playing a role uh, with maybe some of your the, your fellow commits in terms of uh, convincing some guy, some of the top guys from Tucson and maybe even other parts of the state that that Arizona is the place to be?
3: Yeah, so that class of 2020 last year um, was arguably one of the best classes in Arizona history just the state. Um, and tonight to only get maybe like, I think we got one or two, um, that, w- that wasn't what we, what we were looking for, but I think this class of 2022, we have, we have what it takes to really turn around this Arizona football program. Um, and starting off with me and Keon, that's a huge step. And, uh, you know, we're looking to get a couple more kids. I know Stevie's in the class of 21, but that was a big step for him to stay home. And I, I, I love it. I love it. And, uh, I really think that Arizona high school football has enough talent to really turn around this program. Trayson,
2: have you looked at I – don't, I, don't I don't know if you've done this yet, but when you're going to be in school, have you kind of looked ahead at, at some of the non-conference games that, that you guys are going to be playing? I mean, at Mississippi State, at Kansas State. I mean, you're going on the road during your tenure at some some pretty big-name schools. You're going to be playing in the SEC where they where they uh, you know the, do the whole bell thing at Mississippi State. I mean, does that already get you excited? You're like, hey, I'm ready to get to college and play in this type of of environment?
3: Yeah, I actually didn't know that until you said that right now. But, shoot, that's going to be some fun football. So in 2022, you're
2: at San Diego State in in their brand-new stadium. You're going to be the first game there. 2023, you're at Mississippi State. 2024, at Kansas State. And get this, 2025, when you could be a true senior, you were at Hawaii. I mean, how bad is that? Like – what talk about fun road trips? You're getting to experience all type of the country and a free trip to Hawaii. I mean, are you kidding me here?
3: Yeah, that's that's gonna be really fun. You know, just just going around the country and not only the football part, but being able to travel with, with the teammates and and just the players and the coaches and the staff. That's gonna be that's gonna be really fun. I'm really excited. Now, the only the only thing here, we got to talk about an in-state rivalry here because your
2: brother now, who's a, a phenomenal quarterback, to come out of Marana High. I mean, even just watching the tape on him you know you have some footsteps uh, some pretty big footsteps he was really a good a good high school player now at ASU that rivalry is going to be intense explain what it would mean if the two of you were able to face each other as starting
3: quarterbacks for the Territorial Cup that that would be almost a dream come true uh you know playing playing with Trenton I did that my whole life um I never really played against Trent because deep down I was a little scared, I guess, just because he always had that upper edge against me. Uh, but now I think I think I'm there. Uh, I know I'm there, and come college, I know my team will be there. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited. That rivalry that's gonna be that's gonna be a fun one. Are,
1: are you have you been to a lot of the territorial cup games, Tracey? Are you a guy who can who can tell your out of state teammates about this rivalry and how intense it
3: is? Uh yeah yeah I was I I haven't missed one in a long time, um you know going going to U of A the games and I even went to the ASU, ASU games uh, against Arizona uh, at ASU, so yeah I've been to a lot I've been to I think my favorite one was um when Arizona was ranked I think thirteen and ASU was fourteen or somewhere around there um and it was at U of A and with Don Solomon um so that game was probably my favorite one and and actually me and uh, me and my other older brother, Coben, we rushed the field after the game, and that was just stepping foot on the Arizona football field at like age like, 12. That was like a dream come true.
1: That that was the highlight of the Rich Rodriguez era for sure. Uh, let me ask you, Trace, a little bit about yourself off the field. Uh, what do you do for fun, any hobbies, anything that people might be surprised to learn about you?
3: Um. So when I'm not playing sports – or mess around with my little brothers. Um, I like to do graphic design, uh, mm. so I do a lot of Adobe. Uh, I do a lot of Adobe Photoshop, and uh, I've been trying to do some video stuff, but uh, haven't really got the hang of it yet. Um, so yeah, I started doing uh, graphic design when I broke my feet because I was stuck at home all summer. Um, couldn't really do anything. Couldn't go to the park with all my friends. Um, so instead, I just stayed home, watched YouTube, uh, learned how to do it, self-taught myself. Um, I even I even uh, had some friends who uh, learned how to do it too, so they taught me a little bit, and I've been doing it ever since. And I take a Photoshop class in my uh, in my high school, and I love it. And uh, I I want to keep uh, progressing and learning more about it.
1: Right. Do you know Adobe Premiere Pro? Because I got to use that for my real job. Can you give me any tips on that?
3: <laughs> I, I know a little bit about it. Just a little bit. Have you have you
2: seen uh, Stevie Rocker's uh art that he does? Has he showed you any of that?
3: Yeah, yeah. Stevie when I first met Stevie, I think I knew him because of some of his art. Um Really? So, so yeah, Stevie and uh Stevie and my friend over at Push Ridge, uh Evan Lovett, uh the running back over there, he's the real deal. Um he does a lot of uh digital uh drawing and stuff. So, you know, I think it's just just with the football players, I mean they gotta have some sort of hobby and I think we all just chose art.
2: Good for you. I mean, that's, that's all, I mean, Stevie, incredibly talented. He, he was showing us here on the, uh, you know, on the podcast and the visual part of it where we could see uh, some of his artwork, which is just insane. So, and obviously with you having those technical skills at your age, really, really impressive. All right, last one from me here. Uh, who's the quarterback that you try to model your game after?
3: Um, so growing up, like I said, I played a lot of flag football. Um, but so did my dad. My dad played a lot of flag football. Um, So he wasn't the the tallest, the biggest guy out there. But, you know, watching him play at a young age and even like now that he's still playing, um, that's someone who I who I model my game after. Um, You know, he really he really can take over the game. And I'm not saying that just because he's my dad, but as like a spectator and a fan, like (laughs) he's got it. And I know where I get it from.
1: My last question for you, Tracy, and thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, are you a guy who expects to come in and compete for that starting job right away? Cause you know, when you come in, Grant Ganell might still be there. You got Kevin Doyle, you got Clay Millen who committed to 2021 class, or are, are you content to redshirt or sit out for a year or two? Or are you a guy who's going to be like, I'm, I'm going to for that starting job right away.
3: Uh, I'm coming in to compete and I really don't really care what the names are in front of me. Um, Because all that is competition, and I've been competing ever since I was born. So if I'm like a man for the job, then so be it. If I'm not, then that's whatever. I'm still competing. I'm going to still go 100% every single day in the weight room, in the classroom, on the football field, and really just uh, try to help the team out in the best way as possible.
2: You know, I'm not one to look at recruiting rankings all that often or recruit, you know, recruits that commit. But when I saw that you committed, Trayson, before the, you know, for 2022, I was excited, you know, local kids staying home. And after getting a chance to talk to you, you're a really impressive kid, very well put together. And I love your competitive spirit. So we're really excited to have you at U of A. And uh, I think you're going to make a big impact uh, in your four years there. Thank you. Thank you. What an awesome interview with Trayson Bourget and, and earlier our buddy Jeff Dean giving us some great insight on when we'll see Arizona football again. Shane, it's just been crazy because throughout the last few days, the last day or so, I mean, so much, so many moving parts. Now the Mountain West might be in the Pac-12 probably within the next few days. By the time as, as I said earlier in the in the show uh, that they're probably going to we're going to be talking about U of A's schedule uh, for 2020 uh, and and maybe even beyond. Uh, any bold prediction as to what we're going to see in the next week from
1: you? Uh, Halloween is when it's going to is when the, uh, week one's going to be for the Pac-12 or Halloween weekend and uh, eight games. They're going to do whatever the Big Ten's done.
2: I'm going to say a double not so fast. I'm going to say October 24th. They're going to start when the big uh, the Big Ten is doing it, and they're going to do uh, an eight game regular season with a ninth game like the Big Ten, which is what I suggested for the article on territorial-sports.com. Check that out. And I said that, you know, the the teams that are equally placed in the division, uh, the Pac-12 North and South, will play each other uh, on the last week. And I think we're going to see that. So that could give us like U of A, Washington State or something like that. But uh, it's going to be exciting. and, And I think finally the light is it, it, we're getting there we're getting to the light at the end of the tunnel and, and hopefully we're going to have some support and so thank you for listening to a, a, an action-packed show today and uh for my co-host shane dale i'm eric cohen as always bear down and we'll see you next week